A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 89, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. If you're still listening after 89 episodes, thank you and congratulations for sticking around. I can't believe it. Dan Power with you, the professor, Pete Steinberg, MLR Kickoff. And uh, I'm Pete, I'm exhausted. That was the <laughs> most intense weekend of rugby I think I've ever had in my life. All six games down to the wire. I, uh, I'm just going to let you run with this. You, you start us off. I'm too tired. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I thought, I'm like, all right, Saturday was amazing. I mean, I think three games ended on the last play of the game out of the four games on Saturday. There's no way that, that Sunday's going to match it. And Sunday was pretty much as good. And, you know, I think, um, you know, and I, and, and we'll talk a little bit about US and, and, and Canada games this summer coming up, but you know, I posted something on, on, on Twitter that I think, you know, I think is really important for us to understand because I know that there's, you know, there are some people, there are some snobby rugby fans in America who are like, I don't watch major league rugby because the quality isn't high enough. Right. And, and, and the level of play is not as high yet as it is in a place like super rugby or the premiership or in the top 14. Um, but actually for Canadian and American players, the most important thing is that their performance matters. And the most important thing is that they have to play for 80 minutes. So if you want a better Canadian and US national team, what you want is actually more important than a higher level of game, but games that aren't competitive. You want games where American and Canadian players are tested. So a mistake that they made makes a difference. An example is like in back-to-back weeks, Jason Dahm scored a winning try, the following week, he gave away a penalty that lost the game. That's a young American player who's going to learn a lot, realizing that every decision he makes on the field is important. So, so mm. it was it was nuts. I mean, I just like normally, Dan. What I do is on the weekend. You know, I kind of have the like my, my you know, uh, you know, I kind of had the iPad going, and it's kind of there, and I'm sort of watching. This time, I was like, TV's on like kids are sitting around me playing, I'm watching the game. And then we actually went out shopping and we were walking around a store and I was watching the end of the NOLA game. Mm -hmm. And Yvonne was giving me like the dirty look, which is like, you're watching rugby while we walk around the store. And after, and I was like, okay, this is like unbelievable. I have to watch the end of this game. Like I, I have to, I was following it on, on Tribe, which is a really great app. If you can't watch the game, they actually, it's a play-by-play app that does text. And so I was following it on Tribe and I'm like, I have to watch the last five minutes of this game. Yeah. So, and then, and then pulled it and it was great. I mean, it's just, it was, it, it was, it was like, 
it was so much fun. I mean, as a neutral, as a coach, hate it, but as a neutral, so much. Yeah, fun. yeah, bounce the ball as a coach could ruins your season. Uh, where were you shopping? Where were you and Vonnie shopping? We were at Nordstrom Rack because that's where you go when you're trying to buy shoes for kids. Okay. Huge fan of the rack. If anyone at Nordstrom Rack's listening, huge fan. I'm there all the time. Can't get enough of the rack. You know what else I can't get enough of when it comes to shopping, Pete? The rugby shop. ShopMLR.com, powered by our good friends at the rugby shop. Go there all the time. If the rack doesn't have what I want, bam, online, I grab it. What can they get this week, Pete? What uh, what specials are they running? Yeah, so there's a there's a sale that there's some sales on right now. But one of the things that you know, Dan, we've we've been around for a while. Yeah, like, this, like like you know, this is season four, right? And eighty nine um, episodes, buddy. That's 89 a long episodes. run. Do you remember when MLR came out with the logo and the shield? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, it, it was. I think it got mixed reviews, but when you go to shopmlr.com and you look at the MLR League connection um, collection, and you know uh, they've got the uh, they've got some of the mental fitness um, t-shirts that you can get and hoodies, which I think are great. I mean that's part of the uh, um, MLR, you know, in May for um, for mental wellness and mental health, and and you can get those. But there's a there's a new era cap that with the MLR logo. It looks pretty sharp. I think this 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 logo looks good. Um, you gonna you gonna you gonna you gonna get one of those caps? Um, I I don't like I you know I'm, you're I'm not a hat guy. Person, I don't think I've ever seen you I wear get a hat. Older, my hair recedes, and I might need one. No, I think you're good. Well, you're fifty next weekend. I'm fifty this Sunday. This this weekend. Ooh. This weekend I turn fifty. Happy birthday! But should we celebrate you this week or wait until next week? What do you reckon? Um, let's just not. I don't feel like getting to fifty nowadays. Like I feel like in the in the like dark ages or or like in the eighteenth century, getting to fifty was a big deal. Like yeah. like not many people did it, right? I feel like now it's like more like a marker of downhill. So. You know, I need to get glasses because my eyesight's aren't doing so well. When I kneel down, it's hard for me to get up. I mean, I don't know. There's much. There's much to celebrate. Life just starts at fifty, buddy. You've got the best years ahead of you. You're going to crush it, and you have a young wife, so that's going to keep you young and youthful with a young family. and very, so very young good. kids. Being fifty yeah. and having a one-year-old, um, love it. What are you thinking? It. Yeah, what are you thinking? All right, let's jump into the review of the games. Uh, we honestly could spend two hours going through this because the games were so tight. There were so many moments that kind of dictated how a team won or lost a game. So we'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Let's kick things off with the game that Pete was watching at Norsham Rack when he wasn't supposed to be. He was meant to be finding Penelope some shoes, but he thought the game was more important. Um, so, well, I'll let Vonnie deal with that. I won't touch that one. But Houston... 26, Nola, 28, they win at the gold mine, the home side. But this one was, again, like you said, in the balance. Houston had a chance to steal this at the end. They had a chance to steal it at the end. I mean, um, you know, uh, I don't think I – mean, I mean, one of the things that's so interesting is all these games are so close, but the teams really struggle with game management at the end. I mean, Nola had the ball. I think they were inside the 22, just slow it down, and they play fast and – Tim Geeman, who actually had maybe one of the best games he's had in Major League Rugby, decides mm -hmm. to grubber through up two points with like two minutes to go. I'm just like, oh, Nate Osborne must be like aging. But, you know, a couple of things that are really interesting here. So um, 
Nola continue to be a team that generates line breaks. In fact, they started super fast. Cam Dolan looked great early on with their edge as their edge forward having breaks. They had 11 line breaks to six to Houston. Um, they made um, better tackles. They, they had an 88% tackle rate. Houston only had 79. They had faster, quick ball. So you've got to say, like, they were over the gain line more. Um, you know, I thought, uh, um, you know, so, so you got to wonder a little bit. You're like, well, how did, how did Houston um, hold on? And this is sort of weird. Like, I watch Houston and I'm like, man, they've, you know, they've got some good players, but, you know, there's something about them that keeps them in the game, but I don't know what it is yet. Um, what is interesting is I thought what, what, what you saw was, you know, and um, I did a thing for all access uh, a couple of weeks ago on centers and, and you know, where you, where, you play, where you play your playmaking center and where you play your um, strong center. And Houston have moved um, Sam Windsor and he's done really well, but this was a game that Sam really struggled defensively. He missed eight tackles. Um, and so I think Nola saw that and said, hey, we're going to take advantage of that. So you've got to wonder, you know, how how Houston were, were in this game. And, you know, it was it, it was just a really, really interesting game that I think Nola should have won relatively easily. But Houston are becoming one of these teams that is just really, really difficult to play. I mean, Nick Boyer, I mean, that guy is just, you know, we'll be talking about, you know, US selection. But this is someone that we that we have to remember that's been around for a few years, but actually played mostly wing and is now yeah. coming to Houston and taking this opportunity and has just, like, like he's turned around Houston and the way they play with the attitude that he has. Um, you know, Taylor Halden stepped in at 10. I thought that was an interesting decision. Keeping Sam Windsor at 12 definitely gives them um, some some opportunities, but yeah, you know, Houston is 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 becoming a team that you can play well at and you can lose. Um, and they had their opportunities at the end. Nola's a team that can play well, and um, you know, but just isn't able to convert their opportunities yet. Have you got the stats up in front of you right now for that game? How many tackles did Sam Windsor make? Missed eight, but how many did he make? So he attempted sixteen. So, so eight, he made eight. eight and missed eight. What about now? Give me the players inside and out. Give me Howden and whoever played thirteen. So first of all, that's the most tackles that anyone made on the Houston side is sixteen. So that tells me that Nola was targeting them. Let, let me have that's a look. This is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, so because yeah. Howden, as quality as he is, is not the same Taylor Howden as Howden two years ago. Made two tackles, made nine tackles, missed two. Okay, so eleven. And Joe Joe Thomas made Thomas, fourteen. Right. Made made fourteen tackles and missed two. That's a good shift from Thomas, New Well Center. Yep. So a lot of traffic at twelve thirteen. There's a channel, lot of traffic like. in ten twelve. Um, that's yeah. obviously where they they saw and, and the way Nola plays is that I bet if we went back and looked, it's Sam Windsor tackling a lot of their forwards because they play Loose, with that forwards, very wide yep. pod, right? Yep. And and there's not much you can do about that, and and it's the challenge. So. Um, I think that that's uh, that's something that Nola, you know, you can you can move players around, right? So if you have your, you know, if if Sam Woods is playing ten, then he can get some protection from his back row. But when you play twelve, you can't get that protection, right? So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what they do. And you mentioned Timothy Gearman. I just want to echo that that I thought that was the best game I've seen him play in a long time. But you did mention that grubber, the little kick through in the last two minutes. So. Nate Osborne actually took him for a walk the next day downtown near the Superdome. And there's those big 
like homeless camps down there. And he said, uh, Timothy, you see those guys over there? And he's like, yes, coach. And he goes, well, how do you think they got there? And he goes, oh, they lost their job. Or something. He goes, no, no, no. They tried to kick in the last two minutes when they're up by two points. Don't ever do it again or you'll be under the bridge. No, just kidding, Timothy. No, it was it made for an exciting game, and and he seems to be settling into that. Team I think he does. Well. I mean, I mean, I think it's like their fifth choice fly half, right? And so, yeah. you know, I think Nate Osborne's doing a pretty incredible job down there with with you know so many players. I mean, they're not San Diego, but in that back line, they're not far off. Like they yeah. almost have a full starting. Well, they def they have a full starting back line not available because a couple of guys didn't come over. But it's it's definitely a challenge. And, and you know, I think that if you look at Tim Guillaume, what you see is a guy that has a lot of talent but hasn't settled and maybe known as where he can settle. Good man. All right, let's move on. Now, this is – surprise you didn't choose this one for your professor's breakdown because, to me, this was one of the great coaching strategic moves that I've seen so far this year. So, Austin – up pretty comfortable here and looked the better side, dominating the set piece. Isaac yeah. Ross at the line out. The scrum looked great for Austin. They had control. Ryan Martin makes one of the greatest little shifts in his tactics here at the halftime break that turns things around. He changes the line out. One of your former players, Pete, Alicia Washington, actually picked this up on the sideline. The dynamic and the tempo of the line out. So if they change their cadence where they're throwing, we can't beat Isaac Ross and um, DeChavez, right? They're too big. Yep. They're, they're too disruptive. So they started changing their throws. Quick, short, and then long over the back. Let's throw right at the top of the, the tall timber. They can't get back there and get the ball. And they actually scored. John Poland got one and end up setting Harry Barlow. New England just looked like the significantly better side. Then Austin couldn't make enough, another shift quick enough and some yellow cards. And next thing you know, they're, they're done. And New England win this game 22-18. Super impressed with the Free Jacks and how they were able to make that adjustment on the fly and win this game. Yeah, look, I think Ryan Martin is going to be, I think when we get to the end of the year, I think we might look back at the Free Jacks and say that is the team that has improved the most. I think that they have a huge amount of growth in them. I think they've got lots of good players. I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. I know I've spoken to a couple of, um, you know, I, I talk to a couple of coaches in the league pretty regularly. And what they often tell me is, hey, New England's like one of the best teams that we've played. Um, and I think that um, they're, they're growing into, into their season. I, I think that they also demonstrated, like, so, so the Gilgronies remind me a lot of um, Seattle in the first two years. Really yep. good defense, really good set piece. But if you can get on the front foot against them, that, like, they can't score, right? They don't really have a dynamic attack. And so, you know, they play... Um, you know, they, they, they've got lots of kickers. They've got lots of players that can push, you know, the ball, but it hasn't, they haven't shown yet. That, and I think it's actually, I think, I, I don't think they have, a, they have, um, they've worked out their best combination in the forwards mm -hmm. that allows them to generate the go forward that they need. And so, you know, I think that it's, 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 it's interesting. I agree with you. I thought it was really smart at the line out. Um, that's where like Austin, you know, really make people struggle. But they showed that against Austin, like if you get that go forward from that first phase, then then you can play. And, you know, I thought New England looked great. I mean, Austin looked really good in the first half too, but they yeah. look really good because they dominate the set piece. Yeah. I want to say Connor Mooneyham, probably the best 40 minutes I've seen from a winger, that first 40 minutes. He was incredible. And then Four Harry Barlow turned around and said, well, 
let, let me show you how we do it in New England. Everyone had one of the best four, back forty minutes I've ever seen from a winger. So it was uh, it, it was a it was a fun game, and New England stay in contention on the East Coast with that win, and they're just like you said, quietly they get better every single week. And I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, I felt they were a little rudderless you know, in terms of like their identity, who they are, how they play. It's starting to come together, right? It's like the the street artist who's drawing a picture and it doesn't make sense. And then they turn it upside down. You're like, oh my God, it's the most beautiful picture I've ever seen. Ryan Martin, I think, is in the process of flipping that picture as we speak. So um, they're starting to come together and they look good. Yeah, I mean, and, and the East is wide open, right? So the East is sort of like, there isn't it's- anyone that's out of it yet. It's fun, mate. If, if you're a fan of the East Coast Conference, I'm sorry. You're going to have to go through another eight weeks of torture. But for the rest of us, it is so much fun to watch it. I love opening the table up after the weekend and saying, oh, they're in second, now they're in fifth. And it's just flip right, up, right. flip and, up and everywhere. Like, and like the, the people that are in, you know, the team that's last place could end up in second place. Like the like it's like five yep. or six points. Like it's, yeah. just, it's, it's nuts. And by the way, let's not, you know, all of these close games are important because all the losing teams get a bonus point. Bonus and those points, bonus right. points in the East are definitely, the bonus points will be the difference. I, I agree. I honestly think we're going to have potentially four teams. You know, we, we have two teams from each conference that will play in the semifinals, one and two. And I think it could be on the East. You could have four, potentially five teams in the final weekend or with a shot, and it will come down to bonus points in that last weekend. All right, let's move on. ATL, get the win over Toronto. Last play of the game, Ross Deacon gets it done. So, but, you know, I, I just want to point out that I, I think that this was one of the two best played games, right? Yeah. So, so how do you know a game is well played? That ball in plays a long time. So almost 40 minutes ball, mm. ball in play, right? Um, like uh, um, you have uh, um, penalties, right? So there are 17 penalties here. So not, um, you know, not, not a lot, only 12 scrums, right? So, so you look at that and you say, wow, this was a close game. And, and you look at the stats. And this is actually like, like one of those things where you're like, yeah, the stats say this was close, right? Yeah. Um, seven line breaks to Toronto, five line breaks to Atlanta. Um, like the tackle percentage is about the same, 84 for Toronto, 87. Um, you know, quick ball was interesting for me. And I think this is the problem that Toronto had. I mean, you know, Toronto looked really good in small bits when they could play fast, but they didn't have a solution for the Toronto defense. So sorry, for the Atlanta defense. So let yeah. me just quickly jump down to the defense. So dominant tackles. 15 dominant tackles by Atlanta to one by Toronto. So that's why. How, how far ahead are they now, Pete? Because they do, they've done that before. They had another game earlier against San Diego where I think they were like 12 or 13 to no, three. No, no, they're, they're ahead. I, um, uh, you, you no, no pressure. Control. No pressure. You, you may, uh, no, I have it right here, but I just need to get. Yeah, I'll give to you time. Because right. I'm, I'm going to give a player a shout out. I, I want to give a shout out to, to the Cowboy, Marco Keith. Oh. There's, a, there's a piece with Ben Foden where he, he's very, very honest with Ben. He talks about basically when, you know, he didn't get the offer from New York after Bermuda 10s. He was kind of like floating out there and, and he was ready to quit. And it's a great lesson for all players is, and you hear it all the time, always stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And right. that's what he did. He got his opportunity and he's probably been one of the best centers in the league through the yeah, first eight he weeks. Is- he's outstanding. 
he's a he's a go forward machine. He's he's right? doing great, and like, it's, like he gets yeah. the ball and he goes forward. That's that's what he does. Um, and also, I think that physicality fits in with um, with what Atlanta want to do. I'm like quickly, I'm scrolling down, scrolling right here. We are. Um, tries okay. Dominant tackles. Atlanta have fifty-one. Yep. Who's in second? Utah with fifty. Wow, good. For, well, Sean Sean Pittman's put a big emphasis on that. Like right. Big... I mean, I mean that, but 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 that's that surprises me a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit when we when we think because I feel Utah. in my head when I think about Utah, I think about like a fast dynamic team. But this this you know getting back to this game, this Atlanta team. This is what they do, right? They they slow you down. Um, they they they, well, they launch really well. They spread the line. They slow you down. They don't let you get fast ball, and they make you look really bad. Toronto is not as bad as Atlanta made them look, right? And they showed that in 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 the little spurts. And so I think that that's important. I I do want to call out like Jason Dom. I mean, he's going to be in the Eagle Squad, right? Like he was. You, all you over have the to say. It's as close to a lock as you can get. He'll at least get a shot. He, he has to get a shot. I mean, he's six four. He's like so. He's big enough. He had you know two breakdown steals. Um, like when, when you look at you know own ruck arrivals, like top three in own ruck arrivals. Um, you know top three in defensive ruck arrivals. It's just like he's he's all over the place, and he's a really really strong ball runner. Now he's a little upright for me, and he needs to do some work in moving his hands. But I think. That guy has um, a, a lot of uh, um, opportunity. That, and, he, you know, him and, and Matt um, Heaton were up against a really, really good back row. Like, you know, Rumble. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, he's the only guy in double figures in, in yeah. down steals. Like, yeah. like I, think, I think Andy Ellis is second with five. He's got like 14, right? Yeah. So he's everywhere. De La Vega, I thought, had a really good game. Um, Diana's really looking like he's becoming this, this ball carrier. I think they've got a really, really good back row, but they weren't able to generate the fast ball. And you could see, I was actually watching rumble. Like it's the first time I've seen him kind of not be dominant at the breakdown. Part of that's because, you know, Atlanta put more people in. Yeah. Right. That, you know, they, they, they just make that commitment. How about, how about you? We, we tell, always talk about ATL being a, a great defensive side how many times on the video do you reckon they watched that De La Vega try in the second half there where he just walks over the line? Oh, he walks right. There's, there's no one there. No one there's there. No one Scott, zero position. Yeah. yeah. Scott Lawrence must have like, put that film up a few times. Well, so I don't think you'll ever see that again. Like, when that happened, like all the Atlanta folks looked at each other and was like, that, that someone should be there. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking saying someone should be there, it's probably you. That's the yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that yeah, should You should probably be there. So I, um, the other thing I would say is I think you know, this is another example. I think Pat Parfrey, I mean, player of the week last week, really good player, but someone else that, again, against an Atlanta team that puts their forwards, struggled a little bit defensively, got pulled at halftime. I think he got pulled because of that, you know, defensive challenge. I mean, he was a, he um, made six tackles, missed three. Spencer Jones comes in, makes all of his tackles. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at 12. 
Yeah, I think we had him on the show just two weeks ago for Player of the Week, so I'm right. sure he'll bounce back. Everyone has those days. All right, moving on, DC, Utah. This game kicked off uh, at 10 o'clock where I was doing the game from, Pete, and I think I had two cups of coffee because we'd already done a game earlier, and I'm like, oh, okay, this game's going to finish around midnight. I've got to be dialed in here and focused, and boy, did they deliver both the sides. I think I came out this week and said, I think this was, for me, it's been game of the year so far. I, I uh, think this unreal. might be... This this might be the like you know the best game in MLR history. Like it like like it definitely up there in the top few, right? Um, yeah. Great game, uh, um, you know, but like high quality game, high quality game. And well, I think what we learned here about DC is that DC doesn't need much ball. They don't need much, need much opportunity. They're really really explosive, right? And so they've got a bunch of guys that know how to play. Right. They know how to play rugby. I think they'd much prefer to be in, in, in turnover mode than in phase play and phase play. Like, I don't think they've like, it doesn't look like they've got a lot, but when you break it down and you're on the counterattack, DC are really, really exciting. I mean, you know, you look at the stats, you know, both teams were over 75% gain line made, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that the issue that DC had was penalties. But mm-hmm. it balanced a little bit because Utah had some issues with their line out, right? So it's like one of those things where if Utah had a better line out, like Utah had a couple of line out opportunities where if they connected, you thought they were going to score and this game wouldn't be as close. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's, like there, um, you know, cover tackles all over the place. Like I think Mate, in the last- Try savers everywhere. Everywhere. There's like four try saving tackles. It was nuts. Calvin Calvin Whiting kicks it off with a cross-field rundown of Jason Robinson. Gets him in the corner, takes him in the touch. Then Chad Goff does it. Chad Goff, a hooker. Yeah, why he was there, I don't know, but he did it. Stevie Longwell then has one of his own, a prop, like covers (laughs) across, stops Mika Cruze like an inch short of the line. And obviously that would come back a little later and Mika would get his get square a couple of minutes later. But um, firstly, firstly on DC... They're at the bottom of the table on the east. They are not that side. I really think they've got a chance to click and go on a run here as long as they can get a little healthier. Mungo Mason coming off, it will be a big one for them with the shoulder, so that'll be a couple of weeks. DTS literally off a plane onto the field. He'll be better for the hit out with a week's training. Robertson's carrying, a looks like a calf injury, so he looked a little sluggish, not his usual self. But now I'm going to go the other way and give credit where it's deserved. The Warriors, unbelievable. Like, absolutely unbelievable the style they're playing, the way they're playing. Schulte is just doing a great job of orchestrating now. I'm really enjoying what Michael Bass is doing. He's getting better every week in that nine role. Mikey Teo, you'll hear a little later when we talk to our player of the week, showing phenomenal leadership qualities in that side, and he is exactly what the Utah Warriors needed. And then you wrap all that into one big, neat package under Sean Pittman and Sean Davies, who I've said on a different show, Pete, if they still carry different that interim show. tag, different, yeah, different show, Dan. Not too loud. Mate, if that interim tag sticks with them for a couple more weeks, Utah are crazy. They need to brush that, sign them both, long-term deals, and, and just enjoy I, I, the next few years with two quality coaches there. I I, I, I agree with you. I think the um, but you know, I think it's a shout out to the whole Utah organization because their recruitment's great, right? We, we yep. you know, they they they're, they're getting guys. They're obviously very well connected, right? They've got like Khalifi and Cullen. They've got these experienced guys. They've got you know 
um, McClellan, like like they're they're finding these guys that are sort of, you know, that that are out there because they're well networked, right? So one of the things that I think Utah have done, um, and I think you know Kimball Carr and, and Brandon Sparks are just really well networked in the American rugby thing. So so if if there's a guy that's looking for another opportunity or maybe isn't working out, they'll know about it. I think their recruitment has been really really good. Their game day, like them and Austin are just really like doing a great job with game day. And it makes a difference in games like this. 3,500 they had in there. And you could, t- it's, you could hear it on the TV, especially yeah. when the game's in the balance. It was coming through. You could actually feel it. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Like, it's, uh, yeah, so, I, I think so, when so, the restrictions are gone, Pete, right. I think they're going to fill that place because the well, fans I mean, out there are right behind it. That were there, they've got to come back, right? They've got to be like, whatever that oh, was. How, how would you know? Again. Yeah. You know, but like I, I said, you see you know, a cancer on a Harley Davidson, some great rugby. I'm like, oh, I want to go. You know, and then and then you look at like some of the guys like Mika Kruse. I mean, that guy, he's he's playing great. Like, I, I have questions about their nine and ten, right? I mean, I think that like Michael Basco, I think he's a great rugby player. I don't know that he's a great nine, right? I I would like like they play with some speed, which is great. I have some concerns about like that, like what I would call the heaviness of his pass. Um, I think Shorte has really impressed me. Like I, he's playing much higher. I think that's a sign of great coaching. It means that they've given him a structure that he knows what, what he's doing. I think he can find himself. You see him, you know, it, he, he, at some point he's going to get caught out doing that. Oh, there's no space to my right. Let me run behind the right. Oh, I, I guarantee we will talk about this in, in the breakdown a little later for when they play, but I guarantee LA have watched the tape. Yeah, and they're going to be like launch both sides of the rock. Launch both sides. Because yeah. when that happened at the end and they actually scored, my panic was when he stops and comes back, the worst yep. thing you can do in that situation is you get isolated because yep. your forwards are kind of following your system, right? Hey, exactly. we're going another one to the right, forwards go that way. And the worst thing is to turn them around back to the left and Mika scores, obviously, so it didn't hurt them. And, but and, and, it, so so what was interesting is that I think um, uh, Robert Stanana saw that, read it, right? He's like, he's coming back. When you come back, what you want to do is you've got to move the ball because you've got to build structure. Actually shoots up to try and take away that passing lane and that's what creates the hole for Cruiser. Yeah. And you, so you saw the exchange like, exchange between him and Longwell. And yes. It's like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's something. And then Robert Sanat is like looking at him like, what are you talking about? You know, you go, if you look at the line from another angle, DTS is actually up with him. And they, they're going to figure that out in the film room themselves. Like that's, uh, I'm sure you've had some of those yeah, film I mean, sessions look, but- where you're both like, that's his that no that's yours no that's yeah. mine that's I, yours I think, and i think what what i would say is that um that this is one of these experiences where you look at that and you're like oh that lost the game and actually stuff like that happened in the very first minute that lost the game it just yeah. happened to be on the last play yeah right? so it actually doesn't matter when it happens like if, if you're if you're thinking about performance and process it doesn't matter when it happened if it happens at the start of the game it's as important as if it happens at the end but i mean what a great game what a great yeah. game what a great game. Great finish as well. So good stuff there. Utah, I don't know when they go home again, but they're going to pack it out. It's going to be awesome. All right, San Diego, Seattle. If there was ever a game where I wanted both teams to win, Pete, this was it. I'm like, back to the halcyon days of MLR, these two were the powerhouses. And you're like, oh, man, how the mighty have fallen here. I want them both to win because it's for their fan bases alone. Uh, but Seattle, 
at home in front of their fans. And, and again, they were super loud up there for a, for a pretty reduced crowd. Uh, they get it done. Yeah, another game that came down, and this was, I think, the biggest margin of the weekend, right? Six points? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That is, I mean, that crazy. This was, this yeah, was... I can confirm that was the largest margin of the weekend. Stats boy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I think I think that the um, the interesting thing about this game for me was that um, this was the Seattle revolt, right? They actually saw the seawall, right? So if you if you look at it and you say, you know, um, uh, you know, the Legion had twenty percent more um, carries and had twenty percent less line breaks, and um, you know, you look at the um, uh, I'm pulling this up now, like seven dominant tackles by um, Seattle. What they did, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, I think that um, Alan Clark up there has done an amazing job. But you like, like when you're there and you're like, all right, we're not very good. Let's do some things really well. Let's choose what we're going to do. And what they decided is we're going to defend the middle of the field really well. And mm-hmm. so that old seawall launch of getting your big athletic fours like Duratalo and, and Hatting and, and those guys and get them going forward in the middle have them be physical in the middle and then play a little bit softer on the outside. That's exactly what they, um, what they did. And it made it very difficult. San Diego, look, I mean, geez, I'm surprised Dan, you haven't been caught up to San Diego. They're pretty desperate for like halfbacks that can play like Ty and Osa, who I actually thought played amazingly well. I'm not sure the last time he started at fly half, but like the guy had a great game. Um, but like, they're just really struggling with, with their injuries. They've got a, like a great team that isn't currently playing. And, um, you know, home foot advantage was probably good, good here. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's probably like kind of where it won. And, and let's just say, you know, we had Ross Neal on during the off season. Um, we should probably just say that he's a wing. (laughs) He's, he has looked so much better there. I know he's, he's like, Oh, I don't want to play wing, but yeah, but let's, 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 let's look at this. Cause I think. You know, this is wings only look good for the people inside them, right? So, um, Alatimu is came in already, great. Quality, right? just, yeah. just quality player. Um, played, I think, with the Western Force, right? And so, has, has, has played some high level rugby that allowed them to move Joyce to 12, which is his natural position. That put Shalom Sinula at 13. Now you've got actually three guys that can all pass. And guess yeah. what? Your wing and some fullbacks look a lot better. Right, and you've got two you big like, wingers, so you don't need the big midfield crash runners. Right. Now you use but, Ross and so, Tommy Avina to crash right. in the middle. Right, Perfect. and so and, and yeah, but what you had before was that you had center and then two crash centers. Yeah, it so, just wasn't working. Like, like I think they've got a lot more balance. Like, and I've always felt for this team that Shalom Sunil is like the glue for them. Like the guy is just, you know, he, his handling is great. He's great defensively. He's a great leader. And when he's in their back line, he's just better. I think um, having Samu Manoa, I mean, you know, pretty good. He's obviously playing his way back. Brad Tucker coming back would be huge for these guys. Right. Matt, you listen know, to this. Not- Ready? You've got yeah. Manoa, Tucker, Duratolo, Landry, Hutting. Oh, How's that for a five coming yeah, up Landry when they're healthy? Landry yeah. was like great off the bench in that game. Like so all of a sudden Seattle, if they can stay healthy and put this same kind of unit together and get more comfortable playing with each other in that unit, they could cause some not, headaches. They're not out of touch in that second place in uh, um, in the West, yeah. right? We've got eight, what, eight games to go. 
halfway through. Yeah, it would be a great run. It'd have to be like Toronto, you know, the 2019 Toronto at home where they just tear through. Yeah, it would have to Um, be a run. It's not going to be like, oh, we win a game, lose a game. Like they would literally have to, um, uh, they would have to be like, you know, like they'd have to win five, like a streak of five in a row. Yeah. All right, let's move on. The professor's breakdown. So real quickly, you got in trouble at Nordstrom Rack. I got back early Sunday morning, drove straight to my daughter's flag football game, and uh, I pulled this game up because, same as you, I was kind of following it on the socials. I'm like, this is actually really close here. So I pull it up on my phone during my daughter's game, and I've got my phone down here. I'm watching, and all of a sudden, I start getting drawn into the rugby game instead of the flag football game. And you ever get that feeling, Pete? It's like a burning sensation on the side of your face, and then you look over, and your wife's just staring at you like... (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, she goes, you're never here. Watch your daughter, put your phone away. I was like, okay. So I put it between my legs so she couldn't see it. And I just started peering down every now and then. What a game though. And what a result. I mean, the result's almost bigger than what the game was. But- well, I mean, I, I don't think the game was very good, right? And, 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 but I don't think you can win. I don't think you can beat LA if the game is good. Like, like you're not going to out LALA, right? New York isn't going to score 45 points in a flowing game. They had to make it an arm wrestle. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's what they did, right? They made it an arm wrestle. Like they didn't score a try. Like if you had said to me, Hey, a team's going to beat LA, but they're not going to score a try. Like what no are the chance. Yeah. It'd no. Be like- I think we joked about it with old glory the other week where they kicked a penalty and you're like, you don't beat LA kicking penalties. Right. New York's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch this. So I think that like, you know, and you just see, so, so first of all, maybe the best defensive game this year, right? I, I've, I've talked, I think every week that like, we all talk about LA's attack, but LA's defense, they have, they have the best tackle percentage in the league. Mm-hmm. Like they're a very, they, they have, they're tied with um, the Gilgronies for the least tries, right? They are a very, very good defensive team, but New York really stepped up here too. Right. And and so um, the Gilgronies, uh, um, you know, the interesting thing here is that New York had more of the ball. Right. And more, and more of the possession. Now, the reason why that's important is that like New York didn't do much with the ball. But as long as you've got the ball and you can hold on to the ball, L.A. aren't scoring. Right. So what they did was they took more of the ball. Right. And they were able to hold on to it and they were able to play territory. Right. And they were able to play territory um, because the Giltinis don't kick very much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really, really good. Um, it, but here's the thing this is, and this is, I think, there's two things that I thought New York did that, that was really good. First of all, their defensive launch was good. So the Giltinis only made the game line 57% of the time. New York made wow. it almost 80%. Wow. So they, their launch was, was really, really good. Um, they only they 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 only conceded 15 tackle breaks. Okay, LA conceded 20. Um, and one of the really interesting things for me was opposition ruck arrivals. So what New York said is that we're just not going to let the Giltinis play fast. And to do that, we're actually going to source the ruck. So the opposition ruck arrivals, right, for New York was 56. Now the opposition ruck arrivals for the Giltinis was 57. So you would say about the same, except 
New York had about 30% less opportunities, right? So because New York had the ball so much, yeah. they had 56 um, opposition ruck arrivals when, you know, um, and let me get this right. LA had 166 rucks. Sorry, not 166 rucks. Uh, what are you doing, Pete? I'm trying to get this number. It's not in the same page. Stats boy, help me out here. <laughs> what, what are you looking for? I'm looking for stats, stats but it's not, it's not actually in here. Interesting. Which so, are you looking for? Yeah, so, so um, but they had more ruck arrivals, which we'll use as a proxy, right? So New York had more ball. But as a percentage, it was significantly lower. Tell me which stat to find. No, it's all right. I'll, 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 you know, blag it the way I normally do. So, so New York had sixty percent of the possession versus forty percent, and um, yet they had the same number of op- opposition ruck arrivals. They were putting more people in the breakdown. And listen to this: the guy that tied number one for them is Andy Ellis. Yeah, like this guy is also like second in the league on breakdown steals. Like we think about him as someone who makes the pass and he, but actually defensively, he was really, really critical here. And um, New York had seven breakdown steals. Nate Brakely had a great game. Like if you're going to play a game where you want to really disrupt the opposition, right? You need big bodies like Nate Brakey, um, Brakely. I thought Nick Savetta had an amazing game. Like you yeah. need that engine room to come in hard, slow that ball down. And that's what they did. And honestly, LA didn't really have an answer for it. No, Dan Holland said continues his great run. All 18 points coming off his boot. So great job of him. Thought Marco Keith, uh, sorry, Marco Keith, Will Leonard, those two, those two. Yeah. The, old, <laughs> uh, the Siamese twins uh, was again great, got some good go forward. But overall, uh, it was really sad to see um, Le Guzman go out early with looks like a pretty oh, serious knee injury. That so like, that excited. Yeah, and then Glenn Bryce for LA as well looked like he came off with a serious knee injury, which uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know how deep LA are at fullback or where your shuffling goes there, what you would do. I know they're obviously pretty deep. Do you put like a Cardi back there? Yeah, with I, mean, I, think, I think that it's, it's, I think this is the question for me. You know, I think that um, Bryce is a big loss. They don't have an obvious backup. Um, I think the, uh, um, you know, Goddard has played a lot of minutes. Right. So it's not clear that that, you know, they've got another backup at Scrum Half. So that's the thing about LA is that do they do they really, really have the depth? But I I want to call out one player, Dan. Go. So 17 minutes to go in this tight game. Yep. Marty Veal takes off like the World Cup winning all black scrum half. And, and puts yeah. on Connor McManus. Yeah. And I'm like, gutsy call. Gutsy cool. I, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll see how this goes. So I I was like, all right, gutsy cool. And boy, did he deliver. He delivered in two ways. So one is controlled the game at the end, did a really great job of feeding those forwards, let them go forward, but actually won the game with a try-saving tackle. Mm-hmm. In that left corner, got across, made a try-saving tackle. Not sure who it was on. Can't actually remember who it was on. Um, it might have been DTH. I can't remember who it was on, but try saving tackle over in the corner. And I was like, man, that's gonna like that was 
that's coming on and making a difference. And uh, so hat tip to Conor McManus, who's demonstrating that, you know, he's not an all, he may not be a World Cup winning all black, but he's a pretty darn good scrummer. He gets to learn from one too, which uh, means he's going to be in a good spot heading uh, forward for New York as well. All right, mate. Uh, obviously, a tight weekend like this was really difficult to come up with a player of the week. We've gone from Saturday night's game, uh, Utah Warriors and it's Aston Fortain out of the Warriors lock. Uh, absolutely unbelievable this year and to think only 25 years of age. So he just keeps getting better and better for the Warriors. Let's bring him in and have a chat. <laughs> All right, we are joined now by MLR Player of the Week for Week 8, Aston Fortain. And uh, big fella, this is your second appearance in Team of the Week. First as Player of the Week, you've had quite the impact on the Utah Warriors since your arrival this year. How has your Utah experience been so far, mate? Uh, it's been absolutely amazing, Dan. Um, yeah, like I said, the altitudes are eating me a little bit during preseason. Um, I came with the intentions of just trying to contribute as much as I can, um, whether it's line out, set piece at the scrum time in loose play. Um, worked a bit on my offloading game as well, which I'm trying to to show uh, in, in in the Houston game a little bit, in, in in the Toronto game as well, and then in this game too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've 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 100% enjoyed it. Seen a bit of snow, um, and yeah, yeah, I've, I've actually loved it here in Utah. It's, it's, the people are really friendly. I've I've, I've loved it. Um, a lovely bunch of teammates too. So uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm actually a very uh, introverted guy, but. Uh, when I when I came, uh, everybody made me felt welcome. Uh, I actually lived with uh, Yuri van Furen, so uh, fellow South African, which also helped the transition quite 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 well. DJ Yuri, I think he goes by. He's this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He's actually yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's done his decks up here and everything. Uh, plays for us after a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he really? He pulls out the decks <laughs> yeah. and gets going. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, what's it's, what's it's, what's the genre? What's he kind of like to spin? Is he a little bit of progressive house, sort of a, deep house, hard trance? Um, he's more of a little bit of an EDM. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I think he's trying to try to push push that way. Um, maybe oh, trying it. to get to a few uh, uh, raves here in the US. Try to try to get into that scene. Ask him if he can redo our open for the show. I want to have like some really good music. Can you can you mix me some music up for the open of the show? Oh, 100%. I'll ask him. I'm, I'm sure he'd, he'd love to do that. Yeah. He'd, he'd definitely be keen, yeah. We won't pay him. We'll just have him on the show so he can promote the brand. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be a tougher pitch to sell now, but yeah, I think he'll still be willing to do it. We won't tell him that until after he's done. And we go, oh, we couldn't pay you. Sorry. But... <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, man. Let's, let's hit rewind. Let's go back in your career. Now, born in Cape Town, South Africa. But a lot of your rugby in, in Pretoria. You went to the University of Pretoria. Blue Bulls littered throughout your career. Um, spent some time with the Kings and, and lastly the Sharks before you came over. But Blue Bulls would probably be your team. Would that be fair in saying? Um, in terms of where I've played, yes. Um, I love Pretoria. Like I, I consider myself, even though I was born in Cape Town, I've lived most of my life in the Eastern Cape. Um, I'd consider myself through and through a, a Pretoria boy. I mean, I lived there se seven, eight years of my life from like 17 years old till about 24 or 23 years old. So sort of all my, you know, college memories are in Pretoria. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I grew up supporting the Sharks actually. So, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting a few games for them just before coming over was actually like a dream come through, come true. 
Um, so it was, it was, that was an unbelievable experience. But like you said, um, you know, I, I owe a lot to my, to my under 19, under 21 coaches at the Bulls who, who I've, I've really learned a lot under. And um, as well, John Mitchell, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was yep. there in John Mitchell's first season and uh, actually made my character debut uh, while, while under him. So I, I've learned a lot and there's still a few things that he's taught me that I, that I apply today. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch did a great job here with the national team as well. I think his stay was a, a little short and I think people kind of look poorly on the fact of how it ended rather than what actually he achieved while he was here. So I've got a lot of time yeah. for John Mitchell. But mate, let, let's go back to 2017, Varsity Cup. I don't think yeah. people have a really good appreciation of how big the Varsity Cup and what it means. So 2017, you're at University of Pretoria, you win it all. Tell us about that experience, some of the teammates you played with, and just that final of actually winning the Varsity Cup. I'm actually getting uh, goosebumps just thinking oh, about yes. it. Oh, uh, that's what I want. Yeah, it was uh, probably probably the best uh, rugby years of my life, um, just playing for, for, for UP Tux. Um, it's actually a really major thing in South Africa, the Varsity Cup. Um, you know, Stellenbosch pulls about 10,000 people to their games every, every, every game. Um, we actually played against uh, Stellenbosch in the final. And uh, we, 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 we got like 10,000 people to that final. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I had uh, amazing, amazing teammates. Uh, Michael van Staden, who's now a Springbok. Um, yeah. He actually just signed for Leicester. Um, he was in that team. Um, there's a few guys that are playing Super Rugby now. Guys like, uh, like Andre Warner, the scrum off. Um, Chris Massain, who played uh, Pro 16 as well. Um, but saying in saying that we were made like a majorly talented squad, a majorly talented team. Um, actually, Franco Fanaban was in that team too. Um, who's, who's at the Utah Warriors with me right yeah, now? Yeah, Franco. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, there was just there were no egos. Um, training came. We all pushed each other. We all had a certain standard. Uh, we kept ourselves to that standard, and uh, we kept each other to that standard. And you know, there was just. There was no one thinking they were better than they actually are. And that, that was just, just lovely. And just a lovely team environment as well. I mean, after the games, we'd all just get, get, get together for a braai or a barbecue as it's known here. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. It was probably, yeah, one of, one of the best teams I've, or best team experiences I've ever had as, as, you know, as a youngster. All right. Name, name two Springbok captains that played at University of Pretoria. Uh, Victor Matfield. Yep, yep, you got one. Uh, a little older than you. <laughs> He's uh, actually one of my huge role models. Um, ooh, Adrian Strauss. Who was it? Uh, Adrian no. Strauss. No, Strauss didn't captain. He, he, he wasn't, he ca- wasn't he captain of the Springboks? I'm sure he was. Twenty. You would know better than I. Oh, okay. So yeah. this may not have been updated for a while. So I have uh, yeah. uh, Victor, yeah, uh, Winded Clausen, Nas Botha, oh, and yeah. Jus van der Westhausen. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Nas Botha was definitely my second guess as well. <laughs> yeah. It was between him or Adrian Strauss. I was going to go, go either way there. So people on the University of Pretoria page, update your page. So I've got the right yeah. information, please. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Thank you. Now that's awesome. So that's obviously obviously a big thing, winning that and, and obviously friendships for life out of that. Yeah. You go to the Blue Bulls and you end up playing there. You talked a little bit about that. Go to the Southern Kings now because obviously rugby in South Africa, in particular the Curry Cup, it's very introverted, right? It's, it's, it's a small 
you know, geography in, in South Africa, you can get everywhere reasonably quickly. Yeah. Now you go to Pro 14 and you're on a plane and you're going to Wales, you're going to Scotland, you're on a, you know, you're all these long, long flights. How was that and how did that affect your rugby and how was that experience? Oh, man, it was, it was tough. Uh, jumping on a plane for 11 hours and then sort of like trying to recover. So there, there'll be times where we go on a three-week tour. Uh, there'll be times we go on a two-week tour and then there'll be times where we go on a one-week tour. Um, I remember the one-week tour to uh, Edinburgh um, where actually one of my good mates that also played for Texas, actually now in the British and Irish Lions team, uh, Duan van der Merwe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually, I actually sent him a, a really good message and he replied and he's like, yeah, I see you a man of the match this weekend. Um, yeah, so I was, yeah, I was quite a, a, a cute real interaction. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, flying, flying there for one week and you fly, sort of flying on the Tuesday, Wednesday, you can't really do, do anything because your legs are absolutely messed up. Train on a Thursday, have a captain's on a Friday and, you know, you're trying to, trying to play on a, on a Saturday, which is, which is really tough, but in saying that, you know, um, I love I love traveling. Um, I've been a few places in my life, and uh, yeah, the UK is a really beautiful place. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Kings was uh, it was so I, I I was born in Cape Town, but I grew up in in the Eastern Cape. So most of my life, I think I moved there when I was like six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. So I've always wanted to play for the Southern Kings, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, just sort of being closer to home as well was, 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 was very nice, uh, being close to my mom and dad. They were able to come and watch all the home games. Um, and just playing against, like, quality, quality players. I think at the time, 2019 is when, when I was at the Kings. Um, Ireland and Wales were the top two uh, nations yeah. in, in the world. So it was, you know, playing against, you know, Munster, against... Uh, I didn't get the opportunity of playing against Leinster. I was really looking forward to that game, but COVID cut it short. Um, you know, against guys like Edinburgh, Glasgow. I actually played against DTH Van der Marva, uh while yeah. I was at Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. So looking for a little bit of revenge this weekend when we play Giltinis. But uh, nice. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I doubt he even remembers me. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love to get one on him. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was lovely. Um, Pro 14 was definitely a different, different experience compared to Curry Cup. Um, a lot more physical. Uh, a lot more structured. Um, you know, the European teams, you know, big, big boys uh, love yeah. to love to kick the, the box kicks, more, much more kicking in, in the game, but a lot more technical. But yeah, I, I absolutely love the experience and getting those caps. How was how was the flying experience? You're 6'6", which is a challenge already. Um, but yeah. Then going from summer to winter. Ooh. Like, how would you go? Would you have to pack two bags and you'd be like, okay, we're leaving South Africa. It's, you know... 35 degrees or 100 degrees here for, for the Fahrenheit crowd. And then we're going to like 30 degrees Fahrenheit, like nearly freezing up in Ulster or wherever it is you're going. So <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you get off the plane in the, in the shorts and the, and the flip-flops and then all of a sudden have to quickly change into some warm clothes and then come back? People in South Africa are like, why are these guys wearing heavy coats? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we would go on the plane. So we'd leave South Africa um, from Johannesburg. We'd come in our... Uh, so we were actually not allowed to wear flip-flops. We just wear shoes. Uh, we'd come in our shorts, our recovery tights, and our, our uh, shirts. And we'd obviously just be just have our winter winter stuff in our bags. So we'd fly very comfortable. As soon as we we about to about to start descending, you know, you just see <laughs> most of yeah. We'd all be running to the to the bathrooms, you know, putting on our warm clothes. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a different type of cold. I I can't describe it. It's like a 
it's like a you know wet like I don't I I just can't describe it. It's 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 Miserable. something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember yeah. we had a we had a, a training. So we just played uh, Monster, and um, we were about to go play um, Scarlets the weekend after. So we we just played in Limerick, and we drove uh, to to Nays, a small town just outside of Dublin, because we were going to fly from Dublin to to Wales. Um, and we had this this training session just 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 the day before we were leaving, and it was probably. You know, man, I was I was considering retiring after that change. Yeah. <laughs> it was like raining ice. It was just, uh, yeah, the sleuth was really bad. It was, it was, it was, it was miserable. But yeah, you look back at the times, and it's actually like, yeah, I, you you learn to appreciate it more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely love love loved it, and uh, yeah, just just on that, like we we were able to travel business class at least. Um, in terms of in terms of traveling and being six six foot six, so that yeah. that 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 helped a little bit. Um, but yeah, it didn't help that we there would be times where we'd have to do stopovers, so it wouldn't be a straight flight. We'd fly from like South Africa to Addis Ababa, which is in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and then from Ethiopia we'd just uh, fly through to to either like yeah we'd go to Heathrow and then from there either to Cardiff or Dublin. Or, yeah. or Edinburgh for that matter, yeah. Yeah, have you ever done the bus trip from Heathrow to Cardiff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played, uh, we played um, Scott, uh, Ospreys in, uh, where's Ospreys from? Oh, Swansea. Uh, we played in Ospreys in Swansea. And uh, yeah, we actually got, yeah, got on the bus to Cardiff straight after the game, uh, slept there. And then from Cardiff, we, we took the bus drive to, to Heathrow. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, uh, yeah I've, yeah, done, but, I've done that one too. It's not, it's like not fun, but uh, yeah. To be fair, we we left pretty early. I think it was four a.m. So most of the boys just slept, slept on the bus. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was alright. All right, let's let's talk about the game on the weekend. Old Glory. Um, pretty much as soon as the game finished, I, I said to my co-commentator Brian Hightower, I was like, I, I think that's the best game of the year by far. It's definitely the best one Ooh. I've called. Uh, did you have a feeling that? Something special was brewing there during the game. When they scored their last try, um, I looked at the scoreboard immediately uh, and even did a little counting on my hand, like, can we still win this game? Um, and then I saw, yeah, six points. Um, and then I knew, wait, he's, he's, he's got to miss this conversion. Uh, Mikey Tao called us all in. We gotta, we're going to chase this, kick it down now and try and put as much pressure as we can. Um, as soon as he missed it, uh, I knew, okay, we're going to get the ball back. Um, the scrum off's going to box kick it back and we're just going to go through the phases um, I, was, I remember saying to Bailey uh, Bailey Wilson that uh, I looked at the score uh, looked at the time it was 73 by the time we, we, we got into the last scrum it was it was about 81 minutes I was like yeah. okay we need to swing. Yeah. <laughs> we just we just attacked for, for, for 8 minutes it was actually so we went 16 phases uh, got the penalty kicked out had a line up went 13 phases, got the scrum, went five phases, scored. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. It's something special. It's something we, we try and pride ourselves on at Utah Warriors to sort of build the phases. We want to sort of be like a, like a sort of a monster side that can go 30 phases in the gold zone in the, in the opposition 22. So, you know, just, just to be able to achieve that was, was something very special for, for Sean Davies. I know, especially, um, you know, in terms of old glory, they're probably, in my opinion, the most physical side we've played so far. 
Um, it actually baffles me that they're at the bottom of, of the East. I mean, they're, they're a really, really, really good outfit. I think they've been really unlucky. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing game to be part of. Uh, it was fun, man. It was, I, I had so much fun out there. Um, and I'm sure they did too. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's tough. To, I've, I've been on the other side of, of a game like that and lost a tight yeah. game like that. It's, yeah, I felt really bad for them. But it was, it was really nice getting the, the win too. So what, what's running through your head at the end there? Ball goes right to Schulte. He props, throws it back to his left. Are you kind of like to me? It's kind of like what? What? Are you, what? Like what are we doing here? And all of a sudden, yeah. M- Mika looks up, sees poor Steve Longwell, and uh, uh, yeah, Robert Sanana has shot up to put pressure on the outside, and poor Longwell yeah. just was was behind, and he sliced through. What's the feeling when you see Mika hit that hole, and you're like, "We've got this. He's going to yeah. score." I, I I thought we were I thought we were doing pretty well as forwards to be honest. I thought just hit us, just keep hitting us, keep hitting us. We're gonna we will we'll, we'll go and score. Um, and then I saw um, so Hagen called for the ball out wide, and he sort of got the, got the ball and then shimmied to the other side. And I was like, oh no, just keep possession, just make sure you don't turn it over. He gave it to Mika, and then uh, I don't know, Mika just sort of just ran through. And then my immediately immediately my next thought was. Just try and get the automatic seven points. Seven and I think points. he tried to, yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, that's what he tried to do. To be honest, he, he got in really close. I mean, he got really close to the upright, which helped Hagen a lot. Um, but yeah, just from that, I mean, yeah, we all just jumped on him. I think it was a little bit hurt from the tackle uh, that he after he scored, but it was it was it was one of the best feelings ever. I, I, I absolutely loved it. So how does now the emotion go for you guys, right? You, you win that game, right? The death roller coasters there. Like you said, you're looking at the scoreboard. And isn't it funny? You actually reminded me of like looking at the clock when you're absolutely exhausted and you're waiting for half time and it's like 31 minutes and you feel like you've played 20 minutes. You look up and it's 36 minutes. You're like, what is going on? But then at the end of the game, when you're about to lose, time flies. Um, yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you now get off that emotional high and reset for an LA side that's just coming off their first loss. So they're going to be pretty fired up uh, for this game. And to add to that, you're going into probably the largest stadium uh, that rugby's been played in in the US. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, I think we've been pretty good at that this season, sort of getting the win, giving ourselves 24 hours to sort of soak it in, celebrate, and then come in on a Monday and just, you know, back to business. Um, if, if we didn't really, you know, sort of, Get it there. Uh, I'm sure the coaches got us there yesterday. Uh, a little bit of a tough session yesterday. Um, but yeah, we know that you know Giltini is coming off coming off of a loss. They're gonna want to make a statement. I mean, it's one v two in the West, so you know what a yeah. better team to make a statement than against the, the team that's second. So you know they'll they'll be gunning for us. But you know, for us, it's just sort of uh, you know another game in the MR. We're not gonna hype them up. We're not gonna get uh, soaked in the hype. Um, we're gonna try stay as cool as possible. Um, it's it's a little hard when you're playing in a in a seventy thousand seater, you know, and, yeah. and so far. So it will it will be a, a a massive you know experience. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I mean, uh, um, I don't know much about NFL, but I actually like sort of. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna just gonna choose a few uh, NFL team, NBA team. The NBA yep. team, obviously, I had to go with Utah Jazz. Yeah, uh, NFL team. Interestingly enough, I actually chose LA Rams, and that's that's their stadium. So I was like, okay, yeah, that looks like it's meant to be. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a really awesome game. Um, we we all looking forward to it. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. Rams. Okay. We'll ask you a Rams question. What do you think about the Jared Goff Stafford trade? Do you think it's good or bad? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just know Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's, those are the only two football. Yeah. And uh, Gronk and Gronk. Yeah. And Gronk. Yeah. Hey, why don't you yeah. jump on the, the Bucks or the Chiefs then? Uh, why, why the Rams? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to see like that guy. That's my, uh, you know. I just the bandwagon chose, here. Yeah, yeah. They just played a Super Bowl. That was actually the first game I've ever watched the uh, NFL. I stayed up at like until two AM in South Africa. Um, yeah. Watched the watched the Super Bowl. It was actually really really amazing to watch. But uh, yeah, I didn't want to see like oh they just played the Super Bowl, so I chose chose one Fair of them. Enough. You know, it's yeah. different. It's different. Like the experience of like American football. Like growing up both of us in rugby playing countries, right? The experience yeah. of going to an NFL game is like another world. Like the way they do entertainment and the way that the game's presented, like we see it on TV yeah. and you're kind of like, oh, this takes four hours. This is way too long. But if you go to a game, yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel like it. It's like you're entertained the whole time. It's an amazing event. So if you do stick yeah. around after the season, you should yeah. try to get out at least to a preseason game somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd absolutely love that. I've, I've, I've been trying to get to a jazz game too. Um, hasn't hasn't come through yet, but I'm I'm, I'm really really looking forward to, to going and watching a jazz game. They've they've been doing well really well this season too. Yeah, the so, jazz is uh, looking good in the West. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean Utah Utah's sitting pretty. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the the stadiums as well, I think Zion, Zion's Bank is probably one of the best stadiums in the in the MR in terms of uh, in terms of uh, uh, atmosphere. I mean, this weekend's atmosphere was sort of out of this world. Yeah, yeah, I was um, going to say, how many how many rugby teams you've played for that have a Panther riding a Harley Davidson onto the field? <laughs> I mean, how cool is this that? Is, this is the first. I just wish I could, uh, you know, because we we're in the change room for all that, so I wish I could maybe just sort of experience that a little more. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's 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 really it's really different in terms of the experience that they give you in the MR in terms of in terms of the the, the the rugby as a product. So it's 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 really interesting. It's 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 actually amazing to watch. All right, we're going to do a little bit now where we kind of talk about your teammates. So we'll start with your Utah teammates. And you said you're yeah. a little introverted, so you don't be shy here about like ripping on your teammates. Yeah. We'll start with an easy one. We talked a little Instagram, TikTok, all that before we started. On Instagram, who is the number one influencer on the Warriors? Who's like the Instagram hero? And then who's the Instagram zero? Who thinks they're great on Instagram, but they're actually terrible? <laughs> um. I would say uh, Tucci's probably probably the number one influencer in the team. Oh yeah, uh, hashtag yeah. hashtag Tucci gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got his he's got his own uh, sort of Twitch and and he's got his own show as well on on, on the Warriors Nation. I think it's called Tucci Time. So yeah, he's pretty big on the social media. Um, the zero. Oh, I have to rip into my own housemate. Yeah, I think <laughs> you you confused. I mean, he tries to post funny stuff, and then you're not like he's not really sort of getting it. Getting what he's saying, you know, the joke really doesn't make sense. So, who uh, was yeah, it? Fine, fine. Uh, Yuri. Oh yeah, yeah, Yuri. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah feel, a bit, feel a bit bad for saying that, though. <laughs> yeah, the old broken needle of the team because he's just missing the point all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, exactly. now we're going to go athletically. Now we're going to do who's the fastest in the team over a hundred? Who are your top three? Yeah. So if there's a hundred meter race, the entire Warriors squad, who's one, two, and three? Um, one is definitely I thought it's go with Joe Mano. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's 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 tough. Um 
Joe Mano definitely has to be up there. Fraser Hurst. I mean, yeah. he's, he's probably... saw that drive. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, that was electrifying pace. Um, who would I go with for three? Um, unfortunately not. Josh would be. <laughs> um, I'd have to say maybe Cliven Lopesha. Yeah. Where, where is he? What's going on with him? Why isn't he playing? Um, he's, 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 he's struggling with a bit of a hamstring strain at the moment. Um, no, that he picked up during training. Clive, you've got two of them. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> just, just run with the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and tell him that. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Yeah. All right. Now let's go back to your entire career here. Um, Sean Pittman comes to you and says, Aston, we've got three spots open. I want you to bring in three people that you've played with throughout your career to the Warriors. Who would you bring with you? Uh, anybody? Like literally anybody? Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, no. There's no uh, restrictions on, on okay. checkbook, none of that stuff. So yeah. anyone you want. But you have um, to have played with them. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do want to find a would definitely be the first guy I'd want to sign. Yeah, you got, there you go. You got a Lions um, player. Yeah. Um, Hundred Pollard, yeah, uh, and then I'd have to go with. Um, oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I don't want to know. I don't know if I wanted, would want to bring in a lock or a prop. Uh, get let's get rid of Franco. Bring in a prop. <laughs> well, then I'll have, then I'll have to go for Pierre Stuman definitely. Oh yeah, you don't want to bring in a lock. You don't want to put yourself out of the team. You <laughs> sign I, around I, I would, I would, I would want to maybe maybe bring in Jason Jenkins. He, he would, he would be yeah. a good force in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'd make four. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where'd you play with Andre? Was that at schools or was that Bulls? Um, so he was actually coming off uh, off an injury, um, and then he just uh, played uh, uh, what it's called is like Super Sport Challenge. It used to be called mm-hmm. Vodacom Cup. Sort of like yeah. to bring the young guys through into more, uh, also like a domestic domestic cup while the Super Rugby runs. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, he played he played two or three games with me uh, there. Did so you know, like, to, like yeah. he was like one of those guys. He played the U20s tournament for South Africa and just killed it. And then by the end of that yeah. year, he was playing for the Springboks. Like, yeah. did you have a? You know how some guys you play with, you just like you just know, like around yeah. nineteen twenty. Because usually when like the kids that you played with, when you're like. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. The good ones never do anything. They're all done. Yeah. It, yeah, but then yeah. when you're like 18, 19, you're kind of like, oh, that guy's special. Did you know with Andre that he was just gonna be special? Yeah, definitely. Um, him and Jesse Creel. You could see yeah. it from from Jesse's 17, a, 18 Jesse's years of freak, though. Like just yeah. a specimen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could see you could see it from a mile away. They 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 were special talents. They were they were unbelievable. Even the way they look at the game. I mean, Wari Kalandi can throw up right there. They just see the game in a different light. The way they speak about it, the way they talk about it, it's 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 unbelievable. All right, all right. Last one. This one's just about you. you ready? Yeah. Top three songs to put on before a game. So what what's on the fourteen playlist? Three songs that you have before a game. And you can go all time, current, whatever you feel like here. But what are the three that you're like, I love these three songs uh, to get me all pumped up? Ooh, um, I'd have to go um, Yikes by Nicki Minaj is a really good one. Yeah. Um, a Drake, uh, Drake uh, Lemon Pepper is really good. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, anything by Eminem really, I mean, yeah, just lyrically, the way he helped, he hypes himself up in his songs. Yeah. You know, I just sort of just imagine myself singing it. You know, 
getting into that into that mental space of I'm the best. I'm just gonna go out there and do my thing. Do it. See, mine's watermelon sugar high by Harry Styles. Oh yeah, watermelon sugar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't have to get pumped up. Well, all right, mate. Well, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, big week, obviously, against LA. I'm looking forward to that one. That's on Fox Sports Two, I believe, this Saturday night. So, good luck, and uh, should be should be another cracker of a game coming off the back of that one. Yeah, super excited for it. Awesome chatting to you, Dan. Thanks. Awesome. Good luck for the rest of the season. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time uh, we're going to have you on the show, mate. Uh, definitely oh. been outstanding through these opening eight weeks Thank of the you. season and, and a huge asset for the Warriors. So congrats on the season thus far and good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you so much, Dan. appreciate that. Hopefully, hopefully you'll see more of me. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Outstanding young man. Absolutely uh it was brilliant to spend some time with him and, and chat with him. He, he calls himself an introvert, Pete, but he was pretty well-spoken and handled himself quite well. So uh, really with the Warriors, when he was out with his – with his, he was out with uh, concussion earlier this year, they kind of went on that three-game yeah. loss skid. Yeah, no, and I, think, yeah. I don't think it's a surprise that it, while he was gone. I think, I think that's, that is – so one of the reasons why I think we see so many upsets in, in the league is that very few have um, like a, fifth, a squad of another 15 that can step in. And sometimes when you, when you lose a player, it can have an impact. Like, and you can see the impact that Isaac Ross has had at Austin. Like, yeah. and we talked about Nick Savetta um, and like, Nate Brakley. Like Locke is, is a really, really important position and not just in the scrum of the lineout. Locke actually is often the key decision maker defensively. And so if you lose a lock and you take a big step down, it's not just in the set piece that you lose, but often you lose like a bull runner or a great defender. It's a real challenge. All right, let's get into the MLR lab here for our tactics session with the professor. He's already mentioned this a few times. Sorry, I've got the hiccups here. Uh, it's defenses that create slow ball. And we all know ATL do it better than most, but you saw it a little bit more this weekend, which is why you're going to dive into it right now. Yeah, so, you know, this is, this is where I love to go, right? So, you know, grew up a scrum half, um, came to the States, became a fly half, depending on how good the scrum half pass was. They'd be like, hey, can you play fly half? I'm like, oh, who's your scrum half? And I'd look yeah. over and the guy would be passing a ball, be bouncing. I'm like, no, I can't play fly half. But a zipping no. pass, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll play fly half. So, yeah. um, but the, uh, uh, you know, so, so you know, was, was a, a, really an attack coach for a long time, but really learned that learned to love defense and so you know you that's why you hear me get excited down when i talk about oh the seawall's back right so the way defenses work is that they work in cycles and it's the reason why you get momentum on attack so it's all about stopping the first phase attack and so what new york did a really good job of against la is that they stopped that first phase attack and they didn't let them go forward when you stop that first phase attack it means all your forwards that are in that scrum or that line out can just run forward to get in the defensive line, right? Mm -hmm. It's a shorter line to run forward to get into, the, into that defensive line because it's a shorter run into that defensive line. Your defensive wall is built more, more quickly, right? Because your defensive wall is built more quickly, you're more ready to launch again, right? And so this idea of sort of the launch and then in that contact, winning that contact, dominating that contact, that's why I talk a lot about dominating tackles, right? You dominate that contact, 
right? That allows you to be in a position where you you can slow the, you know, you don't have to slow the ball down because you're actually just giving your forward some efficiency, mm -hmm. right? And so, however, when you have a dominant tackle, right, you end up normally on your chest, right? You've knocked them back, which means that you're in the a great position to get up counter ruck and contest. When you have a dominant tackle, the tackle assist can come through the gate and attack yeah. the ball. Everything on defense is about winning that race to the game line and then winning that tackle. And that's what New York did, right? It's what Atlanta did. It's what Seattle you know, did this week in the middle of the field is they won that race to the game line. They won that contact point. Therefore, they can win that ruck. And even if they don't turn the ball over in the ruck, they slow it down. And that's how you win it. Now, that's how you have good defensive. The challenge is what happens when the attack does get a line break and does get that go forward. And that's the other thing that I think New York did a really good job of is I think New York, and this is a bit of Andy Ellis, right? I think New York has good second and third lines of defense, right? So when a break happened, they scrambled really well. They were able to make that tackle and they still committed, which is sort of like the unusual bit. Normally, when the opposition has a line break, you don't really try and slow that ball down. You just get out and you try and rebuild the wall because you don't want them to score a try. But New York still worked hard to contest at that breakdown and slow it down. So I think that it's 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 interesting when when I watch games, and, and this is why you see like Toronto against Atlanta, like look good in moments. And that's all because you go back to that first launch, right? They were able to get over the game line. And as soon as you're over, over the game line on attack, you have to play quickly. If you slow that down against a team like Atlanta, they're going to build their wall and now you're stuck and you're probably going to have to kick. Yeah. So understanding that cycle of defense of build your wall, launch, dominate that contact and contest that possession, that's how defenses create slow ball. I was doing it wrong all those years. I was just mean, pointing and saying, he's yours. he's yours, he's yours, he's yours. Oh, and then so when they I grab him. I flop on top and I'm like, that counts as a tackle. Paul Barford used to call it the English point tackle. Yeah. Your ball, your ball. Your ball, yeah. Depends how big they are and how fast they are moving. Dude, so. no one's bigger than you. You were like the biggest back out there. Like you taught, like, like I'm five. Like I was a late bloomer. Like so I was yeah, mentally like still six, small. You're like six, four, like 260 or whatever. Yeah, appreciate the Twitter exchange, everyone. Will McGee, I'm not 260. I weighed myself tonight. I'm 240, but I shouldn't be 240. That's way too big for me anyway. What was, your, not what was your playing weight? Oh, actually, I played bigger than that, but not. It, it was proportioned <laughs> differently. <laughs> yeah. So, so my deal is that, like, all through my career, it was really hard for me to get over 175. Like, I had to work really hard to get bigger. Like, I would really. And, and now I have no problem being over 175. I'm like, hey, I'm like always. Over. What are you, 180? What'd you say? What are you, 180 now? I'm like 182 or 183, but I could never get jealous. there when I play. So jealous. I would look like a light post if I was 180, though. I shouldn't say that. I keep where I'm at. All right. We've gone too far on the wrong way here. Let's talk about this weekend's game. I'm going to run through these super quick for you all so you can get a feel for where everything's going to be. San Diego making another move. They're going to Chula Vista. They're going to be at the Olympic Training Center. They will kick off at 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday on the Rugby Network. 
that night, we have Toronto at Houston, AT&T Sportsnet, TSN up in Canada, and the Rugby Network everywhere else. We have a run on Saturday night, three games at the same time. So I know everyone gets mad when that happens. I'm sorry, but just phone, iPad, Roku. There you go. Taken care of now. Uh, New York at Austin. This will be a good one. I can't wait to jump into this one. KBVO in Austin, MSG in New York, the Rugby Network, everywhere else. New England at Atlanta down in the Snake Pit, NESN up in the Northeast. Uh, WATL in Atlanta, the Rugby Network, everywhere else. Late game Saturday, Utah at LA, SoFi Stadium, FS2. This one will be awesome. And then Sunday, Seattle at DC on CBS Sports. That one changed to 12 Eastern. So those are the matchups of the week. Let's talk our power matchup of the week. Pete, you want to go first? Or you want me to take my own segment? No, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, okay. Actually, okay. thought about this one. I think the power matchup for me is the back three of Utah versus the back three of LA. So if Ooh. Bryce is out, yeah, right. What's Quade Cooper up to? <laughs> I mean, Those guys all played together. Why not? He's played. He's played fifteen. Yeah, wouldn't he be one of the? Yeah, so but yeah, he has. That's true. Wouldn't he be one of the younger Australians? Curtly Beal. I think uh, Adam Ashley Cooper mentioned he'd like to bring Curtly Beal over. Oh, can you imagine? Uh-huh. Adding Curtly Beal. Glenn Bryce goes out, and then Curtly Beal plays. He'd be like, "Come on now." So you know, I think the back three of Utah is really good. Mikey Teo is playing really well. Um, with yeah. playing well. I mean, I think it's a it's a real asset for Utah. I think DTH obviously has had a great game, really experienced, but, you know, who's going to play 15? So you're right. It could be Cardi, could be Burton. I mean, it could be Gitto, right? Like, like you yeah. could be- He has played 15, so. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, look, that guy could play any, anywhere, um, you know, so I think that it's going to be interesting. And I think that it's one of the few areas. Now, I, that's not fair because I think in the set piece, I think Utah will match up pretty well. But I think it's an area that Utah have to be significantly better than. They have to take their opportunities. They've got to like counterattack, you know, really take those, you know, really look for those spaces on those counterattacks, finish. They have to do that if they're going to win. I think the challenge that, um, that Utah have is that they're a team that likes to play some wide open rugby, like their attack mm-hmm. is great from sideline to sideline. That's how LA likes to play. Normally, that means it's going to be a high-scoring game. Utah have the legs to score a lot of points. The back three are going to have to do it. Yeah, and this is a homecoming for Mika Kruse. Uh, Can he go back into the house and say, you guys made the wrong call getting rid of me? So, right. uh, m- Mine's actually on the other side of the coin from the LA game. I'm going recovery versus retribution. So can New York recover emotionally from that huge win? and turn around and focus in time on Austin? And then can Austin make adjustments to fix where they were deficient against New England to come in and beat New York now? So uh, yeah, Austin- you're from, right on brand, men, mental fitness, right? So this is- Right, this, this is huge. Yeah, because what's what's worse? The emotional roller coaster of having a win like that, and you saw the players after the game, they're very emotional getting that win. Uh, or the scars of losing a game you probably should have won, you were in control of, New England outplayed you, deserved to win, but you're in control of that game uh, if you're Austin. So what, yeah, this, 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 that one to me is going to be very interesting. Obviously, everyone's like pumped up this LA-Utah game and rightfully so, but that one, don't sleep on that one as being a good game as well. And it has a lot of bearings on Austin now 
who are probably hoping that their their brother side LA can knock off Utah and then they can jump back in a second. But New York, the East is just an absolute. Yeah, mess, I, mean, right? I mean, they, they have to win. There's the cool thing about the East is that like you got to win every game. Like like yeah. you could New York loses, right? And what Nola and Toronto win, and and you know Atlanta wins, and New England like. Like you're in you're in this place where some of these teams find themselves eight, nine, ten points behind the second place. Yep. Like, and it's like, the only East East game this weekend is going to be New England at ATL. The rest of West Coast crossovers. So you never want to lose to another East team, which will be big for New England and Atlanta. Losing to a West one's not as bad as yeah. long as some of the other West sides can get the number right. on the East side. Right. So. But I think the East actually over the two years of East and West conferences. That's yeah. Well. So LA are definitely smoothing that ledger up very quickly. Them. Take yeah. LA out, and it's it's like you know pretty. It's strange. really bad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Oh, usually this is my favorite segment, but after the weekend, I don't even know if I want to do it. <laughs> no, all of a sudden, I'm all about stats boy. Stats boy. <laughs> uh, so, 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 two things. Um, all of a sudden, picks are important. We, we will get to picks, but there was something that I was trying to figure out, and I, I would probably need. Pete's helped to do a statistical analysis of this, but I'm pretty sure based on looking at this week and other games, there is a certain amount of tackles you will be forced to make where you, if you tackle more period, you will lose the game. Whereas if you're the winner of that game, you can tackle more than the team you beat, but it has to, I, I want to say the mark is one roughly one thirty or less. So in two games that were very similar, the the, the loser effectively um, ended up uh, tackling. Where was this? Is this tackle made or so tackle? tackles made? So not even tackles attempted. The loser made one hundred and seventy eight. So the, so in both games, in both of these games, the differential between the two teams was very high um in this first game the differential was almost a hundred the difference was 96 tackles made by the losing team in the other game the difference was uh 63 tackles made by the losing team both the losing teams in this one um attempted more than 200 tackles okay so I, I mean, in both games, I think they were similar in one aspect in in how they forced the other team to tackle more. Um, but they were not similar in the score. Uh, the two games I'm speaking about are uh, New York versus Los Angeles. I think one of the I, in in respect to Utah, I think there were periods of the game that they were just not able to convert. Uh, when they were inside their opponent's 22. Um, I think New York chose to do more of a ball control. When they got inside their 22, they knew they were going to get a penalty based on how L.A. was reacting around the breakdown. So they just picked and go a lot, and they just controlled that territory that way, and they were patient, and that's what led to Dan Hall's head kicking for 18 points. But they did something that I think – if you look at the LA specifically, uh, LA versus New York specifically, although New York didn't score a lot of points, they had the fastest 
quick ball rate in the league on the weekend. And I think that might be the highest quick ball rate of the league this season. They were at 73% quick ball rate. So they, they for his, I, I know that we texted back and forth um, about what I thought of the game, but when I was thinking about what they actually did, man, did they go fast. Um, and they, be, I thought they flipped the script on LA because LA plays very, very fast. Very, very fast. Yeah, and they were, what does they, Scary Larry's computer say? That's what I want to know. Uh, well, Scary Larry's computer uh, said Larry's 14 says, points to... It says New York had a 15% chance of winning the game. And it's it. the biggest upset in MLR history, according to his computer. Which makes you happy because that's what you said. It's the biggest upset ever. Yeah, so I, I, I had a certain viewpoint on that game. But after like looking at it again... New York did something that a lot of teams, ha- well, no team has been able to do, which is match up physically and then literally play fast and force the other team to react. Um, so now to the favorite, what was Dan's favorite, but is Pete's favorite this week? I don't like, like, even though I did really well, I think I went five and one. Yeah, I mean. I went, I went five and one. I think I went up like like 11 or 12 points. I am now middle of the pack. Did you? So I, cause I, I have, I have uh, scary. Larry shares the computer to tell what? Uh, Larry. So just to, just to point this out, Gary Larry, who so, used to be on the show, who, who was on the show, <laughs> <laughs> Pete, just to, to make you feel better. Uh, you picked better than the computer. The computer, so he's a professional, I, man. I, I have the, com- to admit, the computer there were, went three there were a and three. Of picks. There were a couple of picks that I was like, should I go with my rugby brain or should I pick against what I think Dan's gonna do so I can catch up? And in all fa- in all fairness, I'll take I'll take my licks here. <laughs> but the way this weekend was, if there's a bounce to the ball in each game a different way, yeah, yeah, I'm six cool. and oh. So well, that's why I think predictions are like dumb so I, so, I went, so i went four and two um the one game where i was uh really pissed was the was the gilgroniac game because i definitely just i don't know i had a feeling whereas the new york game it just um it just felt weird just the whole game the way it went and then you had the, I, I, uh, I didn't think I, like the, the new york game played the way new york yeah the way it had to go for new york to win yeah. They were physical. They held on to the ball, like because they, they, you know, they they had a lot of fast ball. They didn't do a lot with it. They didn't create, create many line breaks. They just held on to the ball a lot. Yeah, and, and there's like, actually a lot of leagues around the world are using a similar program to what uh, Larry has, where they will do the uh, percentage win percentages throughout the game, and they keep updating. Yeah. That would have been a fun game to watch the percentages yeah. Yeah. slide around and, and finally end up. And then, All right, let's let's pick yeah. them this weekend. Come on, so, just, just, let's not live in the past, Aaron and Pete, please. Not... <laughs> All right. So, yeah, just, um, yes, Pete uh, went up to 20th, and uh, because we have to live in the past, Dan went from second to fifth. Okay. Dude, dude, you're in the, uh, I, you're still in the top five. Yeah, and I'm, I'm close. Lar- Larry's running away with it, though. I'm like looking at. I'm looking at this and just it's thinking. Done. That, that weekend killed you. There's no way you're going to be able to catch up six. I need, I need Larry just to like have a weekend where he's got he's no, busy during the week and he goes, oh, I didn't put the in. tips in. You need, need Larry to forget to put in his picks like yeah. for a week. That's yeah. what you need. 
Larry's family and friends, if you're watching, I know you are, you love the show, distract him for me from Wednesday to Sunday. Just kidnap him, something, anything. Just put him in the basement. Give me a chance here. All right, let's go this week. Nola at San Diego on Saturday uh, down there at Chula Vista. So that's as close to San Diego if they've been technically at San Diego. <laughs> it's so close. Um, well, how are you seeing this one play out? Um I don't think, uh, from what I've been told, sorry, I'll actually give you the advice here before I, my usual, uh, you know, horrible self. I don't think a lot of their key players are returning yeah, this week. They're so still another week players. away. I, I, no, I think, I think, you know, and I think that Nola hasn't played their best. I think that they played much better against Toronto for most of that game. Um, San Diego don't have the halfbacks. I think Ferno came back. That helps. Not enough. Um I think I think Nola wins this game. I think um, I don't know where San Diego get their points except for Nola mistakes. Now Nola does tend to make mistakes, so I think this is thirty-four twenty to Nola. There you go. We just actually just got stats boy just hit me up. He said Thomas Morani released from DC, picked up by San Diego, so they get some help in the centers. I think Tian Lutz is back this week as well for them, so they do have some reinforcements in the centers there. But yeah, I'm going to agree with you on this one, Pete. I think Nola on the, even though on the road. That's a fast dry track out there, Chula Vista. Yeah. I mean, you've spent a lot of time there. I've, I've done some camps out there. It's a beautiful field. It's fast though. It's very, very fast. So it's cut. It's that, cut like a soccer pitch. It is. I think it is actually. Isn't it a soccer pitch most of the time? And they just use it for rugby. Or um, yeah, Nola down there. I'll, I'll go. I'll go by nine. I think it'd be comfortable in the end. All right, Toronto at Houston Saturday night. Big game for both of them. It is. It is a big game for both of them. Um, you know, I'm just not like, and, and both of these teams, you're sort of like wondering how, like how real they are. Right. Mm. Like Houston's played well, but lost a few games. Um, Toronto has done enough to win a few, but not last week. I, I, you know, I, I'm still a little bit on the arrows bandwagon, Dan. I think, you know, the, the way I feel about Toronto is I think that they're a great team. I think their ceiling isn't as high as some of the other teams but because they've got so much continuity both on and off the field, I think they're able to get to that ceiling more often. I think they're going to come back from that Atlanta game. Remember, they've spent two weeks at home, yeah. right, at home um, in Atlanta. I mean, it's got to be tough, right? It's not home. It doesn't feel like home. Um, but hopefully, you know, they've, they've had some opportunity without that travel. Um, I, you know, hey, I guess I'm picking the uh, um, away team. Uh, again, I think it's going to be Toronto. I think it's a close game. I think it's probably yeah. like Houston likes to score points. I think, you know, it's like 34-32. I, I, I think this is a bit of a flip of a coin, honestly. This one, yeah, this one's going to be like a roster take, I think. You have to have a look and see how Houston are pretty beat up. They, they lost uh, Albanoz. They're, they're locked. They're already pretty thin at lock. Um, they lost uh, Fortuny last week or the week before. And now Erasmus came off that game hurt. So they're Thin at hooker, which is big, right? That's a big part of your set piece. You're scrumming yeah, yeah. your line out. So I had to see how beat up they are, if they've got anyone coming back. Toronto just seemed a little healthy. Uh, Tukalay's, their fullback's been out, but I think he's getting pretty close to coming back too. So I'm probably leaning towards you as well. Toronto just a little healthier, even though they're on the road. Uh, it's not a bad fly Atlanta to, uh, to Houston as well. All right, uh, New York at Austin. This is a tough one too. Oh, am I picking first? I, I keep picking yeah. first. Shouldn't you pick first on this one? Yeah, Austin. <laughs> of course. 
of course, I actually think this is going to be Austin as well. I think it's going to be tough for New York to go back to back. I think they're going to, um, it's, it's, it's just hard. Um, I think Austin are a good team. They're a great defensive team. This is a low scoring affair, probably both teams in the teens. Um, I think it's something like Austin, like 17, New York 15. Yeah. If, if New York win this game, Marty Veal should document everything he does this week and remember it because getting a team up again after an emotional win is one of the hardest things in sport. Yeah, like mean, you I mean, can go out and like, yeah. like as a coach, what you do is after that win, you go into the film room and you pull everything they didn't do well. You bring them right back down to earth. Yeah. Don't show them any yeah. positive video, right? You just show them here are all the things that we have to get better at. Like, don't think yeah. your shit doesn't smell. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, it, it, I'm sure Marty's doing that. I'm sure that he's like, and, 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 and there are some like, there are smart guys, experienced guys there that, that will be able to pull it. But still, Austin's a really, really good team. I think their set piece is really good. They had a bit of a rotation last week. I think we'll see their better pack start. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think Austin has the edge. Still strong defensively too. Didn't give up a lot of points yeah. to New England. Defended well. And they do, do extremely well down there at home. Uh, speaking of New England, they're on the road to ATL on Saturday night. Um, Austin one was a bit of a gimme, so I'll go first here. I'm actually going to go the Free Jacks, and I'll tell you why. I think that as great as ATL's defense is, there are teams that find holes in that system. And I think New England's a team that has, A, the coach, and B, the the cattle to pick ATL apart, where I don't... Kalasar has been a huge revelation for ATL in terms of like a dynamic, create something out of nothing kind of player, which I think they've lacked... Uh, with Robbie Coleman being out. Kurt Coleman, my apologies. Kurt Coleman being out. Uh, so that's a big uptick for them, but I just don't think they have like that spark plug, you know, that circuit breaker player where right. I think there's a few of them at the Free Jacks. So I'm, I'm going to go the Free Jacks, but I think this will be a really, this will be a one of those games where the, the team in front at halftime may not win this game. Yeah, I, I, um, this is this is probably the game that I'm going to watch in that like three game yeah, that, yep, late yep. night, right? This is the one I'm going to watch. It's the one that I think is most interesting. Um, I I think this is a real roster watch. I want to see who's there. I I don't think Ezkura is the ten solution for ATL. I think it's I think he's a very very good player, but he's not a natural ten. Um, you know, uh, is it, so it's um, Carlos. How do you pronounce his name? No, it's oh, not Carlosa, right? Carlosa. Carlosa. No, Carlosa. 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 So, so, so he Carlosa. said he wanted to play 10. Yeah. So I think, and, and he's their main kicker. As Like he kicked twice the number of times. I think that, like, I think they're still working out there for ATL. Um, I like New England. I think that they're, they're really solid. I think, you know, um, Poland's a great nine. Uh, um, I think that they've got, you know, um, Conradi, like good eight. Like, I, I think they're just a really, really solid team. And mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be, it's the game I'm going to watch. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I'm going to give, you know, I'm like today I'll give the edge to ATL, but I want to see the rosters. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for supporting me and watching my game, uh, Utah at LA, Pete. I appreciate it. Isn't you. Utah at LA later? I think, uh, yeah, you yeah, might Utah be right. Utah at LA is 10. at 10. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for keeping me on my toes. I was testing you. 
and you pass. You're Late a true night fan. in the Snyder so, household. So six o'clock, um, hold it. So six o'clock on Saturday. Like so, um, last last week, uh, um, uh, Yvonne Yvonne was off doing a softball game on Sunday. So I yeah, like yeah. deliberately put the kids down like forty five minutes early each, so I could watch the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sun's still up. Penelope's like, what yeah, what definitely, no, 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 like, like definitely time to get asleep. So curtains, so boom. Read a book. Time. Leave me alone. Uh, okay, uh, Utah, LA. Where are you headed on this one? Oh, I think it's LA. I think that I, I mean, I, there's no way that. Darren Coleman's going to let these guys get off that. I think they're going to be pissed. I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think of all, maybe all the teams in the league, Utah might have the firepower and actually the set piece to be able to compete. And I think this is going to be a competitive game. One of the interesting things, Dan, is that um, LA score most of most of their points in the first half, but I think it's some, something like ridiculous, like 35 or 40% of their tries in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah, so, like... so you have to survive that first 20 minutes. And if you can survive that first 20 minutes and you can be close, right, then you can be in it. So I think for this game, it'll be like, what's the score? If Utah, if LA are up 21-5 or something like that, after 20, it's over. But if Utah are up or within a couple of points, they're, they're a team that can actually compete. I just think LA are going to come out and they're going to prove a point in this game. Yeah, and it's going to be a massive game for Aston Fortain as well because the line-out is where LA do their yep. their best work. Set-piece, the line-out there. Some of their set-piece plays there are incredible. Yeah, I mean, all we talk about their open play, 19 tries, I think, have become from line-outs. Like, yeah, that's so, where they score most of their tries, more than 50%. And we saw Nick Savetta and Nate Brakely do amazing at right. affecting that line-out. So it'll be a big test for that LA pack to kind of – reassert themselves and get dominance back at the lineout uh, against a really good Utah side. Right. And we are also now, Dan, looking at saying, well, I wonder who the referee is going to be because LA have had some problems in, in penalties around the breakdown. Mm. And so there's, there's a bit like, you know, if they get someone who's a little loose at the breakdown, then that's going to help them. If they get someone a little tight, it's not going to work out so well for them. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably lean towards LA unless I see something on the rosters that are make me go. Hmm. And then I'll change it. All right. Seattle at DC, uh, Sunday, midday Eastern. Uh, well, we said Seattle getting healthy again is starting to look a little bit more like themselves. It's earlier than their last East Coast trip. No, it's not. It's not. They kicked off at 10 a.m. Eastern last Eastern, time. This right. is 12 p.m. Yeah. You, yeah, this, you're is a, all... this is only 9 a.m. Pacific. Like last time it was 7 a.m. Yeah. Pacific. Yeah. If you can't play rugby at 10 a.m. Pacific, then you just don't deserve to be in the MLR. That's what I say. But 7 7 a.m., to be fair, is pretty rough. Yeah, I think we all agree. None of us have played at 7 a.m., so good for them. Anyway, I think this is a tough road trip. I think DC will bounce back and and win this one at home. They they just need need to. You know, this is one where I I kind of agree with you. I think I might just pick Seattle because I need to catch up to you, but... There, there are some ways that Seattle win this game. And, and so it goes through the set piece, right? And so I think that the scrum, like DC scrum has been a little bit inconsistent. So um, if DC DC can, if DC have parity in the scrum and the line, I think DC wins. I think if Seattle can get the edge there, they can win. I'm going to give them the edge just so I can catch up. So I'll say Seattle. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's do some other news around. You mentioned some international stuff that popped up as well. Uh, we have some confirmation on the summer test series. So the tour will be over to the UK for both USA and Canada. So USA will be playing England and Ireland. 
and then Canada will play Wales and England. And it's hard to say who got the, the better deal there because that's an amazing four tests uh, for the well, summer here. Lions, so this is this is interesting, right? Because it's a Lions tour. And so yep. all of those teams will be missing, you know, probably 10 starters, but still quality games for the US. I think it's great. I think yeah. the interesting thing is that... Um, Maybe the- more than that, because remember, it's an extended Lions squad because they can't fly in replacements. They all have to travel. So the squads, I think this is the biggest traveling Lions squad in history. Right. Because of the COVID restrictions. So well, but they I think, will be I depleted, but Roughly still. like 10 from each team, yeah. each, each home union, right? And yeah. so I think that the... Um, I think that... You know, the interesting thing for me is going to think about availability, right? Because this is going to be during the run into the playoffs for MLR. So, right. you know, how, you know, and, and, and I think Gary Gold is, is you know, you, when, when, you're, when you're the national team coach and you're, you know, you're trying to make your players available, you've got to recognize when you put the chips down because by law, by, by, like world rugby regulation, all of the players are available. Yeah. Right? But the reality is that the, um, uh, is that players can always be available or unavailable. Right. And so you want to keep the, the club coaches on side. And yeah. so you've got to make some decisions. Like what you don't want to do is you don't want to pull a player, take them on this tour and have them not play when they could be starting for their MLR side. Yeah, that and here's the other problem. If it's a home tour, that's easy, right? But flying someone if you get injuries over to the UK is expensive. And as we all know, USA rugby don't have much in the coffers, if anything at all. So there's going to be there guys who go be, on tour who are going to be. Yeah. Si- there there has know. to be support from the home unions. I mean, what I've heard is 50% capacity at Twickenham for the England games. So yeah. that's 40,000, right? That's what they're trying to get to. What, what what I'm not sure about is if I think the US, I don't think the US is is one of the green countries is designated by the UK. So right now, if they travel today, they mm. would have to quarantine for five days and then test out. But Oof. hopefully the US will be in the green zone, which means that there's no quarantine required. Right. Because gotcha. that would also be be be, you know, it, it's gonna be a challenge. And and I think that, you know, when MLR pushed back the start date. You know, no one was quite sure what was going on. And now there's going to be a lot of, you know, now now there's going to be a lot of politics. There's going to be owners that don't want their players to go. There's going to be coaches that want to support their players, um, international careers. It's 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 going to be a mess. But like someone like Gary Gold is experienced, gets it, yeah. has, you know, is already building those relationships, has been traveling around the country, like going to MLR games. I'm sure some of that is sitting down and, you know, it will be a negotiation. Like I think, what, what you'll see is Gary saying, well, look, we want to take both of these guys, but what about, you know, which, you know, we'll take this guy and we'll leave this, this guy back. So the, the depth is going to be important. Of course, what you also might see there, Dan, and we've already seen it maybe a little bit, is, you know, you might see a few more overseas players from Europe that come over here for the last month of the season, mm-hmm. right, to kind of fill in, right? So, so some guys who, who have played some high-level rugby, um, you know, in France or in the U.K., um, you know, we might see them coming and filling in, you know, what I would want to do if I'm an MLR coach is I'd be talking to Gary and I'd be like, who are you going to take? Who are you definitely taking? Cause yeah. I need to make sure I have a replacement for that. Who might you take? Cause I need to have someone on the bench for that. Like you want to make sure. And, and so I think we might see some of those guys coming over in June to earn a little bit of extra cash and um, fill in as the, 
you know, for those um, few weeks when the teams are away. It's it's interesting, Pete, and I know you've coached internationally, so you've probably got a much better perspective from that side, and obviously me from the playing side. But I, I, I almost and I, and this is a hard pill to digest, I'm sure, for both Gary Gold and for the owners in the MLR. But you almost want to defer to the players and be like, "What do you want to do?" Yeah, and I mean, I think both parties should just respect what the players want to do. And and that's and that's actually that has always been. Like when I was a coach, like I was very athlete centered, and 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 if and, and you know if, if a player doesn't want to go and play for the U.S. because they want to play for Major League Rugby, or, or because their team's in the playoff hunt or whatever, then like selecting them and taking them to the U.K. for the tour doesn't make sense. But what you want is you want a joint conversation between yeah. the national team coach and the club coach and the player to explain the decision that you've made both on whether they were going to be selected or not selected. And I think that it's sort of working with the club coaches to ensure that there's open communication to the player that I think is, is, is really important. Yeah, it is. it'd be a tough one because I think for some, the opportunity to get out there and play for your country would be much larger than, than the club game. And, and I think rugby is probably one of those sports that it is like international honors outweigh the, the club honors, like winning the premiership or winning the world cup. I mean, it's, right. I think most, I would say most players would say, yeah, I want to win a world cup. Um, and I know this isn't a world cup. So that's where the conversation would be an interesting one. And it, it, it will be fascinating to see the squad and, and the players that defer out because it is a depleted England and Ireland and Wales. It's not a full strength, but still the experience of going and playing at Twickenham is there and, Let's be honest, it's probably not going to go in our favour. The, the best thing you want to do is, like you said, be competitive for 80 minutes and go out there, but we're still I, I, you know, a ways off those three sides. And, and I want, you know, there's there's also a bit of a balance here, right? So I think this is going to be like the first two weeks of July. I think I actually think England plays the US on Independence Day, right? That's what oh, I, I love. Uh, it. I love it. <laughs> so, so there's also a piece that if, if, if I have a player that goes off and plays... Um, to high level internationals for the US or Canada, they'll come back and they'll be primed for a run. That right. And that could be something like I know right now it doesn't look like it because everything's so tight, but maybe, maybe some teams pull ahead and it's like, yeah, no, no. And, and I'd be we're like, locked up go, and go play England. So coming back and playing against LA is easy. Yeah. Because, you know, I, there, there is something, you know, we, uh, um, of, of, always been a big fan in the college game in the US to play club teams and lose mm-hmm. because they play so much faster, more physical. So when you go and play other college teams, it's easy. easy. There's a little yeah. bit of that. I mean, there's the injury, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one. It's a tough one, both for um, Gary Gold and for Kingsley Jones. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it's managed. Yeah, it will be. It will be. And we'll keep an eye on that as that develops too, obviously, uh, with the announcement just coming out recently. Squads will be picked here probably in a couple of weeks. You would think they'll start narrowing down those squads if they're if they're playing on July 4th. So yep. it's already middle of May. That wraps it up, Pete. Obviously, like, subscribe, um, donations, make them. I'll give you my Venmo. No. What else? Do we have any reviews? We haven't done that for a while. I don't think anyone like, um, I don't think anyone, reviews anymore. So we need to come up with a bit of a competition. We need to get some, um, uh, we need to get some stash for reviews. Yeah. 
like like yeah, I, think, I think we basically deprive people that's kind of like philip had it let's bribe people aaron to do it get um, some get um, some stash for us we should try yeah, to get yeah, whoever's the, the player of There's the week no team. March. I, I have friends. I have friends that talk, tell me, oh my, I love your podcast. I'm like, friends, please leave a review. Like, let's let's get this going. Takes too long. It's too hard. Uh, you just mentioned the new era hat. Is it just the, the MLR one or is there team ones as well? There's team ones as well. See, I love, a, I love a hat thing. Maybe we can get hats. Maybe we get 12 hats and do a giveaway with the team and you just give it away until... There's one team left that nobody wants, and the last person wins that. Um, or maybe maybe we get 14 hats, so we give 12 away, and then you and I end up with a hat. Uh, okay. Which one are you going to get, though? The MLR one? It's I'll get the brand. MLR one. Me I'll too. get the MLR one. Me too. I know the guild. I, I do like the, the pastel yeah, colors. What? What'd you say, Aaron? <laughs> He's like 14 hats, so we get two. How about 15 hats? Yeah. 15 oh, hats. Dude, you can get hats whenever you want. You can get yeah, hats you, whenever you want. You're like on the end. Yeah. Come on, man. Talk us up. All right. That one wraps it up, folks. It was a good one. It was a long one, right. but it was worth it. It's going to be a great week. So get in front of the TV, pull the games up, enjoy them. And then as always, uh, get on the socials and give Pete a hard time for me because he gives it to me. And I need the public support to help get back at him because I'm not smart enough to do it myself. That wraps it up for the professor, Pete Steinberg, stats boy, Aaron Kasher, our producer. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 89 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop.